everyone, welcome back to Keisha Connect Connecting Conversations. And I am really pleased to welcome you back to another podcast where we have an exciting guest with us today. And actually, a returning guest, shall I say, one of our alumni. <laughs> from when we first started this on Instagram Live. If you know from our outro, you would see that we've had chats from months ago, like almost, I think it was last year when we used to host them on Instagram Live. And my lovely Milka was one of the first people to join us on that platform. Um, but we are very pleased to welcome her back and for her to share her story, what she's been up to what's life been like um and give us a little bit of an overview of how's life been within the dni space so without further ado i will let melka introduce herself tell us a little bit about you what you've been up to some of our guests probably or audience shall i say would have not seen or heard from you so give them a little bit of juice okay okay <laughs> um thank you for having me again um yeah i'm excited to be here i'm a freelancer just so kind of my background has been mostly freelance practitioner level um working therapeutically with lots of different types of people in different spaces so i've worked with lots of um, young people adults in different spaces such as prisons police stations um and also gender-based violence um, I was also an IDVA, so I was working with uh, people that have experienced domestic violence, sexual violence. Um, so, yeah, my background has been mainly practitioner, um, really working with people, people that have experienced trauma. Um, mm. And the last five years, I've been a freelancer, so I've been a consultant. I have been working with teams, organizations um, to support teams and organizations around their leadership, their kind of um, staff uh, recruitment also supporting them around their participation of their youth organizations, working with young people, um, and a whole host of different things, um, but mainly freelance yeah. consulting, developing and delivering programs as well. Um, and then most recently, um, also within that time, evaluation research, but also from a anti-oppressive lens, really thinking about what anti-oppressive evaluation looks like um, and EDI, in the in the kind of the you know is in the way that everyone knows it um mm. equity diversity inclusion um which we are you know we've done the work but we're just about to brand and launch which is exciting um it's yeah. called culture yes um so yeah i'm excited to be here and i'm in a yeah i'm in a good grounded space i'm in america right now so mm. midday me <laughs> <laughs> hopefully we can get some american audience listening <laughs> yeah Maybe the algorithm, you never know. Honestly, maybe there is going to be some <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you for that introduction. And so, yes, you would have seen Milka around, like I said, on our Instagram Live last year. And she has a whole wealth of knowledge from the youth sector, but also within the DNI space. And we hope that we will give you some insight, have a authentic conversation around what does the DNI DNI space look like? Um, experience our own experience within that space, some of the challenges um, being in the space, and potentially look at the hopes and futures of where we can see this go. So, I hope you stick in, tune in, listen, grab your tea and biscuits or whatever you need, um, because this is going to be quite a rich conversation, if I do say so myself. 
But before we get into the nitty gritty, I do have a question, just a random icebreaker question. Okay. Um, so the question is, what are your what are you clear about now that you weren't clear about perhaps one year ago? Ooh, okay. Um I guess what I'm clear about now definitely is I'm thinking more about legacy. I'm thinking more about family. I'm thinking more about my, myself in, the, in terms of, you know, really radical rest, radical self-care and community care and, 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 and all of those things are, I guess, maybe I've, I, I know I say this a lot, so I'm kind yeah. of like, I need to be mindful of, you know, you, you, you have to practice what you preach. And I think um, slowing down is something that I'm really, I've, I've really done. I've, I've moved away from direct practitioner work um, at the moment. Um, still make, you know, still I'm, I'm offering, I'm also delivering training at the moment for mentors that are going into, um, to be mentors with young people. So I'm still making impact in a different way, but I'm not doing direct frontline um, or practitioner work as I was. So I think, yeah, for me, just kind of my own personal reflections. Um, my grandma passed away this year, so it's been really, really difficult. But also I'm reflecting around all her strengths, all the things that she did to, you know, the kind of intergenerational impact that she's had. Mm -hmm. um, and all those qualities that I, I've seen in her in terms of, yeah, just mm -hmm. family and the kind of the matriarchy of the whole, the kind of root of the whole family. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking about myself and actually what that looks like for myself going forward. What does, you know, how do I keep her legacy alive? What does that look like, feel like? Um, and also some learnings, maybe some things I would do differently in my life. Mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm really in a good place, mm. reflect and think about my own well-being, my own kind of legacy as well. Um, and impact like how do we make impact in in this time that we're here yeah no that is that is so well said and I think you know our audience would all be sending our condolences for your bereavement um it's always hard losing a family member but what reassures us is that we can like you said we can carry on that legacy because we haven't experienced that before we don't know what impact that it can have and fortunately for you in this case from what I'm hearing is that it did have quite a positive impact in a way of getting you to come to a realization of there is more that I can do there is more where I can let her spirit perhaps live through me um, and her strength lived through me and take that on. Um, so I'm sure I'm sure you you are making her proud of whatever you do. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, you. you you are doing amazing stuff, and we all here at Kahisha Connect are rooting for you. So you know which goes both ways. I'm rooting for you both. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. This it's all about girl power, female empowerment. You know, girl raising girls um women raising women so that's something that I am wholeheartedly passionate about yeah. and I know even in our private conversations we we do the same for each other so I love you for that um and which is why you you you've been invited you've been invited back so it's thank it's you <laughs> love back honestly genuinely Oh, bless you. Thank you. And so that was just a little icebreaker to get us started. Um, but if we first tackle, like, what have you 
well, I guess, tell us a little bit about your experience in the DNI space, because we hear a lot of the things that, like the projects we do, the initiatives we 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 um kind of put together and run and deliver within organizations, whatever that may look like, the strategies that we implement. But what has been your experience on like as a person doing that work? Because we hear a lot about what the impact of that work could do or what has been done. But from you delivering that, what has been your experience? I think for me, I without putting the umbrella of, you know, EDI, DNI in in the in the kind of the the, the way that it is in terms of um, the work, I've mm-hmm. been doing this work in every organization I've ever worked in. So I think, you know, seeing things and understanding power and understanding organizational, you know, organizations of systems, mm. for me, I've always been reflective around power, around experience, mm. checking in with staff. I've done that just naturally in any space that I've been in. So um, it's, yeah, I guess it's, it's probably like a decade long worth of, you know, investment and work without, without the pay. <laughs> so it is, it is, you know, reflecting and, you know, giving feedback around how do we make things equitable for young people in all the spaces, for example, if it's adults, even if it's just team well-being, I've been an advocate for, you know, well-being of staff in all the different spaces, um, so I think that's kind of been like my 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 kind of yeah my 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 grounds and the kind of the, the way that I've um I got to where I am now. Yeah. Doing this I guess officially within a consulting role. Sometimes it's been more of a a critical friend, you know, you when you're consulting you're supporting organizations and teams you're pulled into conversations or kind of strategy meetings or recruitment because mm-hmm. they want that kind of that they want the lens around actually is, yeah. is this equitable are we th- are we being in terms of the process have we yeah. thought about all the considerations that a candidate may need so mm-hmm. it's been more of a it started off quite loose and then I think now I've, I've um in terms of the way that I do the work there's definitely been more structure um mm-hmm. so just in terms of the the um pivot culture it's it's new we've been doing the work you know separately myself and my my business partner Shauna and we came together to actually create something um so we've been delivering the work we're just about to do branding and all of that takes a lot of time right we were saying about like actually it takes so much thought and consideration I've seen a lot of services are offered that are you know over promising and organization and I'm like in one hour really two hours (laughs) how do you see that like it and it's the honest truth and I think it's yeah and I think maybe there's a sales aspect of 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 Mm. um you know the the language that's used but also Mm. it's being true to ourselves and who we are and I think not losing ourselves within this 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 kind of sector is so important it can become quite commercialized can't it so commercialized I've seen I've seen so many of it and it's just like where is the authenticity that comes along with it um where's the truth yep that comes along with it because realistically when we think of DNI it's down to the human for us at Cohesion Connect this is what we firmly believe is that it's down to the humanistic level of things the foundation of it all how do we how do we interact and engage at that foundational level in order to really change the systems around it? Yeah. And I think um, for a lot of it, 
you know, we, we do all this training and stuff. And don't get me wrong, education is definitely required. Um, but one or two a year in an organization isn't going to shift the dial, isn't yeah. going to make people think differently. And half the time, people are just going through them because they need to get through it because it's mandatory. <laughs> and they want to get back to their BAU, their business as usual. So people people aren't really engaging in with it as we would as we would hope yeah I totally agree I think also the 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 kind of influx of you know 2020 there was a global you know uh, a, a movement a tipping point however you'd like to consider that time frame mm-hmm. three years on really I don't know what what has changed I think there was again with any kind of social um you know with any incidents you know critical incidents or social movement mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a peak and then it drops so actually what happens to everybody that made a commitment 2020 what happens mm-hmm. now and how do you and how do you just do it from a place from a you know genuine intention I think there's a lot of performative action and this is honestly the the case a lot of it this is why the data conversation is so important for me I've, I'm thinking about how was those surveys conducted where did you get that percentage from? how many people were surveyed for you to, to say this is the percentage of people mm organization or these are the feelings of belonging in the organization so if we have you know we there's so many layers and so many lenses and I think Mm -hmm. because my life has been just different you know a spectrum of different experiences and 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 different workplaces I think bringing all of that together is probably what I've I've tried to do and you know in those rooms when we're facilitating conversations and we're facilitating group you know, group experience. And I think is there's a lot of experiential learning with that happens in those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the workshops that we've delivered, there was a lot of experiential learning and there was a lot of holding that we had to do from a, you know, from a psychological safety perspective. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there isn't all of those skills or lenses in some of the trainings I've attended and as a staff member around yeah. certain topics. So I think mm-hmm. yeah, it's making sure that people People are there for the right reasons, number one. Yeah, yeah. People are not going to do the work properly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Honest truth, right? Um, yeah. It's based exactly. on lived experience. We're both here, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's based on intersectionality and really the, the word has been hijacked, like every other word. Um, yeah. It has been hijacked and we've lost the the meaning and the kind of foundation, the roots of what, what intersectionality was created and the term was coined in the first mm-hmm. place. Mm. so there is a lot of yeah buzzwords jargon that's thrown out there without yeah. the without the context or the lens and actually weaponized the mm. word quality itself has been weaponized without the people you know people understanding the deeper meaning of what that was there for in the first place and it's also used to silence black women <laughs> yeah. and that's one that's what it was coined for in the first place wasn't it exactly it's so crazy. it's crazy yeah, it is honestly it's, it's um yeah these are the things that you know the honest conversations that we also need to have right mm. yeah no I totally agree and I think I think we need to be more open about these things because or or we'll just hide on under a rock and just think yeah. oh everything is you know going and everything's progressing and all of that and yes to an extent there there is that but underneath those layers and I think even before we we came on to um to record we were talking about the different layers that 
it contains and how do we get deep enough in all of those layers and that takes time that takes energy that takes a movement (laughs) a huge movement to really allow us to get into those different areas and I think some people are actually scared I I don't want to say scared maybe maybe a little bit more reserved to look at how DNI has become a weapon in some spaces. People are fearful to admit that because yeah. if once they admit that, it's like, then why are we doing all of this for? But because yeah. you went in there with a certain perception and a certain way of doing it that was far removed from the real purpose of it all, we've moved so far beyond to where we, what yeah. is what it was meant to do. So when you then start weaponizing it and then you start calling it to be a weapon, people then, okay, well, if that's the case, we, we just won't talk about it. We'll just leave it as it is. Mm. And that's, and I think sometimes that's the kind of spaces we navigate. And I'm not saying at all environments are that, but in some environments, I think there is a real lack of transparency and a real lack of vulnerability when it comes to DNI issues. Um, that if we're not vulnerable enough, we're not actually going to make the change because someone has to say something, <laughs> or else, like we're just going to stay stuck. And yeah. if that's what you want to do, and you want to take it off your box and say, "Actually, we did this, we did that," brilliant. You stay there. Um, but I, I don't think like in 10, 20 years time that that organization will not reach its potential or that environment will not cater for the diverse world that we are now encompassing yeah. um, and the future and that's like gen z <laughs> they will call you out on every everything yeah. so good luck surviving in the future <laughs> and they also look for workplaces that are you know more diverse actually yeah. even from like a eco-friendly even fashion mm. being sustainable all of these things are part of the um the the, the actual reasons for kind of like the way i see the way i see the gen z um arena or space or people me included <laughs> is is a bit of a revival yeah i that's when when i when i see these blogs and articles talking about the gen z community and generation i mostly as a revival these are things that have been silenced our parents mm-hmm. our parents parents our grandparents so on and so forth they've been silenced and been buried with all of the things that we can't talk about or you know even if you do experience racism in work you still go to work yeah now we we are not tolerating that we are not accepting that as our truth yeah. so for me, it's like an awakening, a revival of, okay, this is who I am. And if you don't like it, that's your business. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And you, <laughs> I love that. it's knowing when to exit. And I think this is an honest oh. conversation, right? It's knowing when to exit. You know, there's statistics around, I think it's 120,000 people um, in the UK have left um, mm-hmm. workspaces because of racism. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, and four out of five people didn't report it. Actually, they just left. They've just exited. So actually, you're not capturing the reality of, of, you know, belonging or mm. conversations, right? You're not really capturing the reasons why people have left. Sometimes it's just too much in that space to, to report to HR, nothing gets done. 
and you're just kind of in this, you know, or actually you do report to HR and actually you're you're experiencing even more racial trauma. Mm. And that's, so, yeah, I think some of the some of the and that was a big study. So, like, again, thinking back to data and big analysis, that was like, I think, three point five million or something or three point nine million people that was surveyed that are from the global majority. So actually, that's a massive data set. Wow. So these are the honest truths and honest conversations without, you know, putting things under the carpet. Mm-hmm. Let, let's have an honest conversation on what's really going on in your organization. And mm-hmm. also another layer of the DNI conversation is people being, you know, given the DNI role without the power to do the work. <laughs> it's just part of your job description. And you're like, okay. You know what? It that that is such a <laughs> I I have to laugh because I've seen so many people talk about it like on LinkedIn I've seen people open up about it and then I do see it overshadowed with people in the space who be like oh my god I'm doing you know this work I'm doing that and blah 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 um again I would hope we can be more honest about the conversations I know and I've seen and I've heard and I've been in rooms where you you you're given a role yeah. and you literally do nothing with that because you're not given the authority or the power to wield the change that's needed to be done it's either the business way or no way yeah and if the business doesn't like it because they don't want to you know, risk their position or ruin their reputation in the media or whatever it may be, they shy away from it and be like, this is not what we do. So if that's not what you do, then how do you expect change to happen if you're going to continue to do the same thing over and over again? Yeah. Um, In the pro, you know, and continues to cause harm. And I think that's, that's, that's the conversation, right? Harm. Exactly. Exactly. And people don't look at it like that. People just think, oh, we're not representing this person. You know, we don't have an ERG, so we're not including this, things like that. But in fact, there is real harm at the end of it. And for me, the data is great. The data is great, but I don't want just numbers. I don't want you to just show me numbers. I want you to show me the the, the quantitative data that comes along with it. Um, And I, I want to see that the the real experiences that are underlining that data because without that I think like we're just looking at numbers and think oh that's great but where are the real people behind it where are the real stories the narratives that sit behind that data that really allow us to see a bigger picture in order for us to enact change yeah and also I think you're right the story aspect is so important I think and I think this is one thing we also have to be mindful of. You know, we're coming from lived experience and um, some 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 consultants are not. So actually mm-hmm. what you're bringing is theory and, you know, probably some, some experience on the ground. But when the lived experience part is missing, you're actually missing a lens. You're actually missing mm-hmm. the, you know, you might not understand the kind of impact. I've experienced mm-hmm. racial trauma in different spaces and different organizations, you know, mm-hmm. that that wasn't a nice feeling I can I've I can pinpoint the harm that it caused me in those spaces but also I can also see why I'm passionate about this work and why Mm. I'm why I'm why I was in the sector in terms of supporting people for a decade because it's about 
all the people I was supporting in terms of power didn't have a lot of power, actually. Let's talk about the global majority. We're talking about, you know, black young people that are in prison. We're speaking about, mm. you know, people that have no citizenship and no kind of immigration status, mm. ability, you know, you know, like kind of all of the, all the layers and intersectionality and um, all the layers of identity, LGBTQ communities, for example, in domestic abuse, my, my caseload, men as well, was, was really hard to engage both men and people from the LGBTQ community in regards to domestic abuse. And that's mm -hmm. because of all the stigma and all the experiences they face because of, you know, the, the essence of masculinity and what that looks yeah. like. Mm -hmm. All these kind of um, things that are, that are also barriers for people. So yeah, I think the lived experience part definitely brings in another lens that you, you know, you can't teach. And I think that's, that's one thing that is not always lived experience in all aspects. I, I'm an advocate for lived experience of criminal justice system, people that have experienced, you know, any kind of lived experience, whether it's health system, mental health system, lived experience is also something that needs to be seen as, as a value, you know, mm. definitely something that should be um, in terms of equity should also be financially rewarded. These are things that are not always considered. And we're just thinking about, you know, professional experience as well. And yeah. we have both. So <laughs> Yeah, but one thing that I would say there is a line to be line to be drawn because some organizations would use that lived experience to their advantage. Yeah. And further harm that consultant practitioner because they have that lived experience. So they expect you to know everything. Yeah. Because you represent a community when even within the community that they supposedly think that you're a part of have sub communities and that community has another sub community. Oh, Again, we're monolith, we're not, we're not like one exactly, group. Exactly. Exactly. So I, you know, sometimes you wonder whether some people get jobs because they represent a certain community and they know, well, actually this person will be great because they represent X community. And it does make you think like, was that just performative? Just yeah. because I I am a part of that. I know how to do X, Y, and Z. I know how to engage with them. That's not necessarily the case. Um, so I feel like sometimes that lived experience can be used as a weapon as well. Yeah, there needs to be a balance you know, between how's that lived experience being used and we're not going to that person, bombarding, adding more layers and more um, trauma yeah. for that person. Because it can be quite traumatic when you're seeing your fellow um, people, whatever um, community are part of, you're yeah. a part of, when you see trauma happening to them, it indirectly impacts you as well. Yeah, yeah. so how do you make sure that you one as a consultant practitioner distance yourself from that and to avoid senior leadership or organizations or whatever use that as a key for them to unlock certain things when it doesn't sit well with you it doesn't align with you it's just adding more mental stress more mental trauma on you so for me lived experience is certainly of value but we need to find a way for organizations to know where to draw the line. Oh yeah. Definitely. So, so the power aspects, I think it comes down again to power and exploitation. And, mm. and I've seen 
where you know this happens a lot in the in the youth sector and charity sector you have somebody stand up but they haven't been part of the you know a conference or the event they haven't been part of the planning they just stood up for 20 minutes to, and to, and told told directed to regurgitate their experience their trauma in that space and then everybody claps oh such a heartfelt you know contribution and they walk away but there's no holding there's no kind of support beforehand mm. after all of that is 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 exploitation but i think the lived experience i'm speaking about is from a from an equitable lens really thinking mm -hmm. about if if you're a practitioner and you don't have to bring your trauma into the room that's that's you know, that's your discretion right you decide on what you want to bring into the space but what yeah. you can say is i have lived experience and these are the things and you can pull out things without yeah. standing there and and you know all of that is also to, to repeat the trauma or going yeah. there with a, a particular mindset of I'm gonna attack everyone because this is what they've done yeah and so, the as well the expectation mm -hmm. that you only have your lived experience to contribute whereas actually your lived experience could be in the back of the your mind but your 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 strategy is what you're contributing. Your kind of approach is what you're contributing. Skills, yeah. All the skills are your are, are your are is is you contributing through your lived experience, not necessarily you standing there pouring. Mm. We see a lot of you know trauma porn that happens a lot. Black trauma. So sometimes I'm like, I want to watch a film, and I'm like, oh, I, I just want to read the story on the plane. I was doing this <laughs> on my ten hour flight. I was yeah. like. I want it because like, there's a American Airlines there's like a bit of yeah. American movies. I was like, okay, cool. And then I was like reading the kind of the narratives before I played it. And I was like, oh, all of this just like quite heavy. I wanted something light. Yeah. <laughs> You're on a 10 hour flight. I don't really want to be in the air dealing with all of this trauma. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I just want to disconnect, you know, I just I want to listen to something and do something that's a bit more light and mm. But it's also important to think about like why are things that always commissioned that are around trauma? Well, why are we not speaking about joy? And why, you know, I went to a workshop around peace. We talk a lot about violence, but we don't talk about peace. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's even in the sector and the DNI space, like we can flip things. I know we sit a lot in the heavy, the trauma aspect, but actually let's re we can we can still, you know speak about the realities because it's important we're not yeah. kumbaya every day and happy roses but we we can also use that space to really think about you know let's reimagine what this space could be like yeah yeah without all those issues yeah and i think that again there is that balance you know you you highlight the real issues the real challenges that we face um in society from you know all aspects but then we also talk about, you know, being who we are. Our identity is such a beautiful thing. And um, this is this is why we are who we are, because of our own personal identities, cultural heritage, our, you know, ethnic background, whatever it may be. It's all part of a really colourful, beautiful picture that makes us who, who we are as an individual. Um and don't get me wrong, I have seen and I have been in spaces where that has been demonstrated. And for me, that's when I think it's best highlighted or best engaged with um, because there is not that heavy downpour, but yeah. rather it's a bit of both to get people to understand like 
I'm I'm a great I'm great my identity is great and this is why I love who I am but at the same time these are some of the challenges I face because I I am who I am (laughs) so I think you know getting people to really understand it in that way because no one really wants to sit there and hear a heavy downpour of trauma like people people disconnect people don't engage and for some people they don't quite understand so how do we communicate it in a way that they can I think it's it's like coming back to maybe the ways that we've been delivering some of the workshops like really yeah. experiment like experiential like really holding space that like we thought about music that we would play at certain points we thought about the room the space you know kind of really mm-hmm. thinking about creating and and allowing people to reimagine one of those things reimagine what what this space could look like and sometimes that's really hard if you're in a space where you're being harmed because mm-hmm. you're you know, because you have a disability because you're you're mm-hmm. um you're um you're a woman you're or you're trans whatever the kind of identity is if you're being harmed it's really hard to to regulate in that space especially if you're around the people that are causing the harm and you're all sat there in a workshop right so Mm. it's it's just making sure like you know we we have check-ins at the end we have debrief debrief sessions and also recommendations one of the things that we did um say to one of our clients is we recommend that people that have experienced some of these intersections mm-hmm. will actually receive additional time for well-being after the workshops because we did our bit as facilitators, as the consultants coming in. But mm. when, when we leave those spaces, how do wow. you make sure? Yeah, how, you know what's going on for them. And actually, we had you know we had disclosures, which is you know it means there was safety created in that space. But within that, it's like okay, where's the aftercare and making sure you know, people commissioning work are also thinking about the after effects. I've been mm. in conversations where, oh my God, it turned my whole day upside down because we decided to have a conversation. I was a staff member in this organization. It was just this thing of like, like you said, pouring of trauma and sharing. Mm. And it was like, how am I then meant to go and work with with, with mm. people for this? <laughs> because you're just <laughs> your body, right? It's a body, it's a physical response. Trauma yeah. has a response in our body. So, yeah, I think really thinking about the long term, no quick fixes, no checkbox. Let's really do the work and let's do it properly. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think luckily there is more people, more consultants and people in the DNI space now that are focusing on that aspect. And I'm, I'm really pleased to see it. That's not to Me say too. that we haven't done because like I said it takes this is going to take a movement to really turn all of this on its head we're dealing with hundreds of years of stigma of stereotyping of discrimination like that that's a lot of undoing (laughs) that we need to do oppression it's still here yeah it's it's an undoing (laughs) that's what I'm gonna call it it's the undoing (laughs) um and it's going to take you know a a movement it's going to take a generation to really allow us to kind of start to overcome that and introduce and I love the word that you said and you know we use it internally at Kaisha Connect and it's about reimagining um 
what the space looks like and getting people to interact with that new imagination um, and giving them hope, allowing them to see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. All of this is not bad. It may sound bad, but there is there is hope. <laughs> and sometimes we just have to enact hope and faith that things will work and things will get better. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I think, that's... <laughs> no, 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 it's true. I think without hope, the in the spaces really mm. you know yeah it's, it's, if we don't have, and we have to be realistic like I said I come from you know racial justice social justice real real community heart work is, is what I call I call it um in terms of the last 10 years right so for me it's like okay you know what does what does this what does a win look like in this organization what does a small win what does a small shift and what I would probably say what does a pivot of culture look like in this organization and for some mm. organizations we, you know it's still a pivot whatever that is it could be a change in their recruitment it could be a change in some of the ways that they they engage their mm. staff it could be all those changes we still have to celebrate otherwise yeah. we'll just be feeling heavy and defeated all the time so I think we also have to think about the small pivots and the small um aspects of of our contribution in these spaces yeah. um, no, because this is systemic and it's structural <laughs> and it's layered so no I totally agree and I think you know there there are and I've been a part of pieces of work where it may seem so small like you know is this really going to enact change mm. am I really making an impact here but then I come to the realization and I'm just like actually this is a win this is one it's never been done before one it's a new space that has that is new to all of this so of course I'm going to celebrate and of course I'm going to shout about it because it is a small win it might seem so insignificant for someone next to me or next door whatever it may be but for me it's it's one step further of that organization showing commitment to the change that they want to see in the future and I think that for me, those, you know, we, it, it said, you know, the small changes leads to a big impact one day. And it, it takes those little things to become a big thing, many yeah. little things to become a big thing. And I think we're in the phase of life where we're building up a collection of those little things. Yeah. And I am hopeful that the future would look very different to where what we know it now. And I am... I'm content to know that things will change. <laughs> um, I, that might that may be very optimistic of me, but I don't care. <laughs> but I think things will change, and while things are changing, we will have new challenges. So we yeah. need to be equipped to deal with those new challenges that we will face. Because, as we know, DNI is an ever-evolving journey. It's not you get here and you stop you will get new things that you're faced with and you're just like, oh, got to go back to the drawing board now. <laughs> so be, keeping that momentum allows you to be in a better position to deal with those changes and new challenges that arise. Um, but with that being said, um, I just want to close it off and ask you, we, talk, we were talking a lot about hopes and what the future holds. What do you 
think the future will hold? What do you see envisioning? What how do you what is your reimagination of DNI? <laughs> Honestly, I think within this work, I think for the people that you know have lived experience of different intersectionalities and identities, for those people to really, you know, have a plan, have a have a real radical self-care, radical rest, you know, community care plan, mm -hmm. like because this work will will tap into your experience, will tap into your your experience of all the different you know oppressions that you might have experienced. For myself, you know, um, misogynoir, racism, you know, kind of racial trauma I've experienced. So, and being in those spaces where you're continuously witnessing, you know, we were speaking about the trauma aspect and actually the experiencing of trauma, but also the witnessing of trauma in itself is is, is heavy on the body, it's heavy on the mind, heavy on the spirit. So I think it's more of a reminder for us not to burn out the people that are doing the work um, from from a genuine place. Because, again, yeah. this is another space where it is hard work. You really have to care because it's still you're still you know shifting. You're, you're trying to shift power in systems. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're in the kind of bigger context of where what where we live in society and organization mm -hmm. the microcosm of that system. So things mm -hmm. that we experience in society are happening of course, in every organization. And I think organizations not to be in denial, but actually mm -hmm. this is, you know, spread like the air. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it happens in different ways and different shapes and it comes up in different, you know, but mm -hmm. it, is, it exists in different spaces and mm -hmm. it's being mindful of all of those. So yeah. I guess my hope for, for the DNI sector is for it, not to be diluted, not mm. to be diluted, not to be, you know, not not consultants and people that are freelance that are doing the work, not to be silenced. People yeah. from the community doing the work, not to be silenced and you know pushed aside. And then you've just got like a global big corporation doing the work, which just has very easy, nicely probably written impact reports, but then the, the actual substance and the depth of the work is not being done. Mm. Um, I'm hoping for, yeah, I guess people say radical, but it's not radical. It's, it's, it's the work that needs to be done, right? This is, yeah. this is the, the work. Um, mm. That's my aim. That's my hope for, for, for us in the sector, for people that yeah. are doing the work um, and for equity in terms of finance. You know, we have to be honest and say, even within this space, it's not disconnected from society, that you've got, you've got black and global majority consultants that are not being paid the same as their white counterparts. This is a very standard, you know, conversation about finance and that in itself is oppression, you know, not having access to finance and resources. This is also an oppressive, um, yeah, it's again, it's, it's oppression within that realm. So thinking about it from all the different lenses is important um, mm -hmm. and also means finance. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. And you've made a valid point in bringing that to to the forefront, because, again, there is not much discussion about it. We just yeah. think everyone gets paid the same and um, with our white counterparts or with the, the, the other person who may be even, you know, identify as being disabled. Yeah. So, like we need to enact some equity well not some we we need to enact equity when it comes to leveling that playing field we talk about the gender pay gap we talk yeah. about the ethnicity pay gap where 
there is a pay gap in each underrepresented community. Yeah, definitely. How do we address that? And especially when we have consultants in the DNI space doing the work and still not being equitable, that is so contradictory to me. But um, yeah. that's a discussion it, for another day. Um, <laughs> no, it, that's yeah. a discussion on its own. Um, but I guess my final thing that I want you to leave with our audience is yes we talked about some of the challenges some of the learnings that we've had and our experience within the DNI space but what is one thing that you love about being in DNI space I think the the genuine connection mm-hmm. and that means with different people in different spaces from different identities and 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 kind of just different people with different perspectives and I think building that connection and having, I guess, creating that psychological safety to have those conversations mm-hmm. and also take people through an experience. And I think that's, it's, I always think about the body as well. A lot of the conversations are is cognitive and actually not everyone processes things from just a cognitive lens. So I think mm-hmm. the body and the kind of movement, the experience aspects of this work is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, it's just a connection that I've built the trust that I've built with people to really open mm. up about their stories, open up about the challenges, the things that they've experienced, mm. and actually the, the people leaning in and saying, actually, I'm, I'm experiencing this thing. What mm-hmm. do you think? And yeah, like I've just met you two hours ago, but to have that level of trust, it, it, it says a lot. So I don't take that lightly. I don't take any any kind of disclosures or people telling me stories lightly. I think it's an honor to, to be that person that can hold someone in those spaces. Um, mm. And yeah, and I think it's just who I am. I'm, I I hold people, so it's it's also what I bring in the in the space, the kind of the, the, the psychological safety and the and building connection and some fun. Like we have to also balance oh, in. Yeah, fun, yeah. You know, I think people like let's not forget being in the DNI space is really fun. <laughs> like the people that you meet, the yeah. the different cultures that you you engage with. Um, for me, I think the one thing that I love about being in this space is that I get to learn from so many people. Um, it has literally opened my world to a whole cohort of new people that I perhaps wouldn't have known before. Yeah. Um, and then for me also, it's it's given me that pride to know that like I can be someone to wheel the change um it's given me it's a big responsibility it it really really is but for me I I take like you said I don't take that lightly and I'm honored to be in a position where I can but it allows me to be in a space where I can lift people up yeah and seeing people from my from for me, like one of my key areas within DNI is women empowerment, um, black people, specifically black Caribbean. I'm going to be very specific. Yeah. Um, but people from those communities, I, I, I feel honored that I can bring them and help them get to fr- from A to B yeah. because of some of the things that I do and seeing them journey, like you said, journey with you and go through that experience with you. It's one of the most wonderful and rewarding feelings being able to tell a brethren <laughs> and be like, come on, let's go. Yeah. We got, we got work to do. 
I didn't get here for you to just lay back and do nothing. Come on. Um, so for me, it's really, it's bringing people on that journey and being in a space, it has allowed me to do that. Um, so I, I totally agree with you on that. And here's to, here's to more power. Here's to yes. integrity. Yes, growth. definitely. Okay. Integrity is a massive one. Yes, integrity all day. Yeah, that's one of my and, values as a person, as a human. <laughs> and that's one of our values here at Cohesia Connect. So that is very, for us, it's all about integrity, respect and, you know, sustainable change. That's what we want. We don't want this change to take a dip. We want it to be sustainable throughout generations to come. So, no, thank you so much for being here. I'm so happy that you could have made it. I know you literally just traveled to America and you were just like, yeah, I'm still going to do it. And I'm just like, you sure? Are yeah, you it's sure? important. And I'm in Minnesota. So just context, I'm actually in Minnesota, not that far away from where George Floyd was killed. So wow. this is, you know, it's, it's context. You know, we were driving past it yesterday and I was like, wow, okay. just physically being in the space and the arena and, and that's one of many, you know, um, police brutality anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'm I'm so thrilled that you could still join me after yes. a ten hour journey <laughs> and settling in only a couple of days. So you're doing you're doing very well, shall I say. Thank you. <laughs> it's been beautiful to be here. So just genuine thank you for having me. And yeah, thank you for everyone that's listening to this or will listen to this in the future. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, Milka, for joining us. And once again, to our audience, thank you for chiming in. I hope you found this conversation very interesting. I really enjoyed this conversation in order for us to be open and honest about some of the things that perhaps happen behind closed doors or our own experiences in being in the DNI space. So hopefully it's given you a bit of a taster and hopefully you've taken something away, you've learned something. You're going to pick up something that you can then go on and change. Um, whatever it is, we hope you feel empowered. Um, so thank you all for listening. And we hope to see with you, see you all soon on our next podcast. So look out for that. Thank you. Bye, Milka. Bye. Bye.